-hmm. If you're having issues, the first step is to educate yourself and not on from Google. I ran into the same problem though, Kelly, is in private practices, people still weren't ready all the time. And I'm like trying to do a deeper dive. And I realized, so the three facets of pelvic health, I mean, mind, body, spirit, all impact your pelvic health. Welcome to the Confessions of a Working Mom podcast, where we bring you real life working mom stories, tips, tricks, and advice for thriving and surviving in motherhood, because you shouldn't have to experience working motherhood alone. Join our community of support as we discuss all of the things and how we get by in this sometimes crazy and imperfect journey of working motherhood. Hi, mamas. I wanted to tell you about the course I am going to be launching. So this course is the Working Mom Collective Business Launchpad. And this is for you if you're looking for an actionable plan to build your online business. And that's whether you want to build a side hustle an online business to replace your day job, or maybe you're a mom who's currently not working for any number of reasons. Maybe you left your job in the middle of the pandemic or something else like that. And you really want to build a plan for an online business that is straightforward and will take you from your idea to an actual action plan for moving forward. So this course is for all the moms out there who are wanting to do something more, who have a bigger dream in their hearts. And in the course, I'm teaching you my specific method for setting up your business for success online. So if you're tired of spending your evenings, weekends, and middle of the night insomniac sessions, Googling your way to business success, then you are going to love the actionable steps you will walk away from with this course. I'm going to share with you how you can go from an idea to an action plan when it comes to starting an online business. So if you're ready to create a flexible business that aligns with your goals, dreams, and your desire to be present for your family, then sign up for the waitlist today. For more details and to get on the list to be the first to know when it opens, go to theworkingmomcollective.com slash purpose. That is theworkingmomcollective.com slash purpose. And you can sign up with your email to be the first to know when the business launch pad is available for you to join. And so I really would recommend getting on this launch list because I'm going to be sending out some freebies and some uh, special bonuses and a special discount for the people that join the waitlist. 
So again, you can go to the workingmomcollective.com slash purpose to sign up and to find all of the other details about the course. Hope to see you on the inside, mamas. Hi, Jocelyn. Welcome to the Confessions of a Working Mom podcast. How are you doing today? Hi, Kelly. I am doing well today. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, of course. Yes, I'm doing well. And I would love for you to just share with our audience a little bit about you, what you do, who you help, and all of that good stuff. So I am a pelvic floor physical therapist, and I, well, I'm originally from Pennsylvania, and then after college, I've been moving west ever since, and I developed an interest in women's health when I was in college and going through a lot of issues with my body related to things that are directly associated with pelvic health, mm-hmm. and then found myself at a PT physical therapy program that is one of the strongest women's health programs, arguably in the world. And I did not intend for that to happen, but it just, I guess the stars aligned that way. And so I, things that I would felt crazy for or felt different for mm-hmm. as a girl, as a teenager, and as a, in my twenties, it all, I learned that I wasn't there was something going on and that I wasn't just being a wimp or a baby like some of my physicians or some of my coaches made me feel. So now I am, I had graduated in 2017 and I was lucky to have gotten such extensive training, not only through my school curriculum, but had the opportunity to start getting into coursework and training as a student. So when I started working, I pretty quickly transitioned into pelvic health. So I help my, I guess, as a way to say it, that it makes sense to the listeners is I help women feel, move and look their best without worrying about issues like leaking urine, pelvic organ prolapse, which feels like vaginal heaviness or like their uterus is falling out mm-hmm. or pain anywhere in the abdominal wall, pelvis, legs, anywhere, or issues around sexual dysfunction. Yeah. So that's amazing. I think that's such an area that is so very much needed and that a lot of us do not get all of that information, especially right after we have a baby. I don't think that's really given to us by our doctors. (laughs) It isn't. And the fact that we're so in the dark about so many things related to our health being a woman is just mind blowing to me. And as I was thinking about some of the questions that you had sent to me, it really is unbelievable. And it seems like such a impossible task to spread the information, the amount of information to the world. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one thing at a time, I guess, if if I can get people getting comfortable just saying the word vagina, I think that is a start. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So yeah, so I actually had a request for this topic. Like when I had posted on Instagram a while back and someone was like, I really need to hear about like painful periods and just women's bodies and like these topics. So they actually asked about painful period. So let's start there. What I guess would you define as a painful or abnormal period? And when should women actually 
seek further help. Okay. Painful or abnormal period, I would define as, let's start with pain. The, your symptoms are, is, are so bad that it's disrupting your life. You can't go to work. You can't go to school. Yeah. Or if you are in school or at work and you are in the bathroom or on the ground, wherever, that's abnormal. Mm-hmm. If the amount of blood loss is substantial and you're literally seeping through Mm-hmm. whatever it is that you're using really quickly, well beyond the recommended time frame of whatever you're using, that's concerning. Mm-hmm. Other components of abnormal periods is an irregular period. So let's say you are, your period just comes and goes when it wants. And when it mm-hmm. does come around, sometimes it's like two days and other times it's 14 days. Mm-hmm. And you can't really predict when it's coming. So that would be just irregular or few periods, which is called oligomenorrhea. So let's say you're having like a period every other month or every three months or five periods a year versus around 12. That's abnormal. And then, of course, complete loss of your period. That's called amenorrhea is abnormal. And it is considered abnormal when you're not getting your period before the age of 15. So a lot of moms on here, you Mm -hmm. do have daughters, and it's important that you know this. So another thing about like cycle timeframes, so your cycle technically starts the first day you start bleeding on a normal cycle, quote unquote, normal cycle is anywhere from like 21 days to I forget the number they're using nowadays, but why does 40 come to mind? But I think around 40, 41, but that seems like a lot, but I think it seems long. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's the average timeline of a cycle. Mm -hmm. So anything that is shorter than around that 21 day mark or longer than that 40 ish day mark is considered abnormal. And then I would say what really gray makes it gray is when women are on birth control, because then it's hard to gauge. Well, They said I might lose my period if I'm on this contraceptive or they say that I'm I'm only supposed to get so many periods a year. So it's hard to say if you are on birth control, what I just said about the few and the absence of a period doesn't necessarily isn't you can't apply that. Yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, I was going to ask you about birth control as well. Because I know I've seen a lot of questions pop up about birth control and prescribing it for painful periods and just being on it for that purpose and not necessarily because, well, you might still want to prevent a birth, but that's not the first reason, right? They prescribe it for painful periods, saying that it's going to lessen symptoms. What do you feel about that? Do you think it helps or do you think it sort of just like masks it and makes other problems? It's a great question and a question that I've been reflecting on because myself and my colleague, Amy, we're hosting a mom-daughter workshop in Phoenix in a week, and we're talking about this exact subject. Mm -hmm. Before I answer this question, let me answer the rest of the last question of when women should seek medical attention. If any of those things that I said, absence of a period, very irregular, very heavy, very painful, that's when you should seek medical attention. Yeah, yeah. So now my thoughts on birth control. Well, as someone that was prescribed not only Vicodin, but then birth control for horrible periods that like, I think I might have been 14 or 15. I feel like there's an emotion 
involved in my response and not enough. Well, there's not enough research available for me to solely rely on research. Yeah. But uh, just keep in mind that I have a bias and I was personally affected by birth control and therefore I'm still healing from that. But I think that I'm against initially prescribing birth control without doing enough workup first. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is I will link you to the episode of my podcast that I interviewed a adolescent gynecologist about this question specifically and her process of finding out why is the painful period is a lot more than a single visit. So and this, I could talk about this, go into as much detail as you'd like me to, but just simply answer your question. The reason behind why someone might be having a really horrible period is substantial and it can go beyond just what's going on at the level of the uterus and the ovaries and just our female organs. So by prescribing or going on birth control that early, you miss that chance to do the investigation work of what really is going on. Mm -hmm. It is a band-aid. You're basically taking something that's going to affect your hormones if you're on a hormone contraceptive without understanding, okay, is it, G is it my GI system, my gastrointestinal system? related to my diet? Is it related to my thyroid? Is it related somewhere in my other areas that help synthesize hormones? Is it because of my day is with stress? Is it something related to my exercise or lack there of exercise or lack of variability with exercise? Mm -hmm. The birth control throws a, a wrench in that process. So right now in 2021, I am against day one, going to the provider prescribing birth control without doing that workup of what's really going on. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I 100% agree with that because I did go through sort of a similar experience. Well, initially I was on the birth control for the actual purpose of birth control, but then after a while, just in telling the provider different symptoms, they didn't attempt to do anything else to try to figure out like what was going on. So yeah, I agree. I think it's a band-aid and I think there should be other options available for women. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that go into this process is, and I was a teenager not that long ago. Granted, it was probably a little around 10 years ago, but I still feel like I wasn't a teenager that long ago. <laughs> and I want to say if someone took the time, and I probably wouldn't have listened to my mom, but my <laughs> provider took the time to say, like, let's say if I was... I wanted the contraceptive, the contraception for to prevent pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Well, there wasn't even education on why birth control, it still isn't as good as using other methods of preventing pregnancy. Right. No one took the time. And if it was, it was related to religion. And that didn't mm. work for me at the mm -hmm. time. And so I needed science. I would have listened to science, maybe, even starting there. And then even taking that further, they're talking about, okay, this is what goes into your menstrual cycle versus ovulatory cycle. And this is why we don't want to go give you birth control because it's going to affect X, Y, and Z related to your day. And I think if that would have been the case, it, it's our conversation right now would be very different. Yeah. Not just for me, but for a lot of girls and women. 
Yeah, I do think it would be a lot different. Mm -hmm. I think you're very right on that. So talking like transitioning a little bit to pelvic floor health. So I recently seen your post on Instagram that, and this really stood out to me. It says, if we want to change women's health care, let's normalize how not peeing your pants after children is normal. <laughs> so I love that. So I love that because it's so true. Like you tell somebody your problems after childbirth and they're like, oh, it's just normal. It happens to everyone. It happened to me. It happened to your aunt. It happened to her mom. It happened to grandma. Like, and then that's the end of the conversation, right? <laughs> oh. I hope you could see that I'm rolling my eyes because <laughs> yes, I've heard it so many times. And I guess my mom's the opposite. She's like, I never had that issue. So <laughs> whatever, mom, but everyone else in our family did. Everyone else in our family had horrible periods except you. So whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. So pelvic health. Would you like me to describe what pelvic health is or what is about like, what is the pelvic floor and what can they do yeah. with those hacks? Yeah, yeah. So I guess first off, I guess describe for the listeners that maybe this is the first time they're hearing about this. So just describe what is your pelvic floor? Why is it important to have a healthy one? And then sort of go into those hacks and all of that good stuff. Okay. <laughs> so all of us hopefully have a home. And depending on what kind of home that you have, you have a foundation. Your pelvic floor is like that. It is your foundation of your deep core. So your home, before you started living in it, when they build it, they had the, they put the foundation, lay the foundation, and then they start building the walls, the dry, like the framework, and then eventually the roof. So those walls are the other parts of the deep core and the roof's the other part of the deep core. But the foundation is the pelvic floor in this case. And your pelvic floor is a group of muscles, vessels, nerves, and connective tissue that serve a really key function or key role in bowel and bladder control, spine and hip stability, sexual function, bringing blood from your legs and your pelvis back to the heart. And then also, what is the last one? I think I got most of them. If it comes to me, if I realize I forgot, I'll add it. But basically really key in every system in our body. Mm -hmm. And basically when you have a baby, regardless if it is, if you have a delivery through vaginal delivery or a cesarean delivery, your pelvic floor has a major shift in its role during those nine months of pregnancy. And then once you deliver, regardless of the type, it has a major shift again. So with vaginal deliveries, your parts of your pelvic floor muscles are stretched by three times their original length. Mm -hmm. Imagine that. That's insane. Yeah, and that's then crazy. with a C-section, there's scar tissue development. And that scar tissue almost like creates a suction and pulls up on the pelvic floor. And so the pelvic floor is in this really tightened state. And so either of those contexts can't function and do its job as it needs to. So why I did when I was thinking about, okay, how can I make like, not everyone's ready to see me and I don't want them to see me when they're not ready because it could be overwhelming. It could be scary. And I don't want to feed into that. I guess what I would call it would be trauma circle mm -hmm. and fear cycle. 
So I was like, what is the most important people you want to know? What you want, want people to know? Well, the hack number one would be stop doing Kegels or Kegels while you drive. Because I would say pretty consistently, women that see me don't know how to do a, they don't know how to do a Kegel properly. Mm -hmm. And if they do, they only know one type of Kegel. So when I say Kegel, and the reason why I get so fired up about the word Kegel, (laughs) (laughs) besides it being a man's last name, is, (laughs) is that Kegel is like, if I asked you, Kelly, hey, I asked you to make me dinner. Well, you're going to be like, well, what do you want? Do you want what ingredients? There's so much that goes into, okay, I want food. Well, what kind? That's the same thing with Kegel. It's it's a pelvic floor contraction that doesn't tell me what kind. So when you're doing pelvic floor contractions or Kegels during in the car and you're not necessarily, you don't know that you're doing it correctly, Mm. Well, you could be creating tightness in your system that's already tight, mm. or you could be compensating, which a lot that a lot of women do. They not only use their pelvic floor, but they really use their abdominals and their other muscles a lot too much while they're doing it. Second is when I do teach people how to do them, it takes a lot of concentration not to cheat or to meet the goal. And last is that the whole idea and one of my part of how I work with people and the process of how I work with people is I teach people how to be present. And if they are driving and doing a really tricky new skill, they're not present with either task, (laughs) not driving or pelvic floor contractions. So that's why. But in that I'm like, do breathe in through your belly and let your abdominals and abdomen relax because these muscles are working all day. And that's true. Typically, whenever people are driving, they're like, their stomach is gripping. Like, why? Why are you gripping? Anyways, so that's the first (laughs) one. While you're driving, do not do pelvic floor contractions unless I've told you. That means you've like crossed the threshold of training and you're entering the state of flow. But even then, I don't typically tell people to do that. Hi, mamas. I wanted to tell you about the course I am going to be launching. So this course is the Working Mom Collective Business Launchpad. And this is for you if you're looking for an actionable plan to build your online business. And that's whether you want to build a side hustle an online business to replace your day job, or maybe you're a mom who's currently not working for any number of reasons. Maybe you left your job in the middle of the pandemic or something else like that. And you really want to build a plan for an online business that is straightforward and will take you from your idea to an actual action plan for moving forward. So this course is for all the moms out there who are wanting to do something more, who have a bigger dream in their hearts. And in the course, I'm teaching you my specific method for setting up your business for success online. So if you're tired of spending your evenings, weekends, 
and middle of the night insomniac sessions, Googling your way to business success, then you are going to love the actionable steps you will walk away from with this course. I'm going to share with you how you can go from an idea to an action plan when it comes to starting an online business. So if you're ready to create a flexible business that aligns with your goals, dreams, and your desire to be present for your family, then sign up for the waitlist today. For more details and to get on the list to be the first to know when it opens, go to theworkingmomcollective.com slash purpose. That is theworkingmomcollective.com slash purpose. And you can sign up with your email to be the first to know when the business launch pad is available for you to join. And so I really would recommend getting on this launch list because I'm going to be sending out some freebies and some uh, special bonuses and a special discount for the people that join the wait list. So again, you can go to the workingmomcollective.com slash purpose to sign up and to find all of the other details about the course. Hope to see you on the inside, mamas. Second hack is to avoid pushing your pee out. A lot of times, and I'm guilty, like this goes back to when I was little. I would Mm -hmm. power, power pee, push the pee out, go as fast as I can. Yeah. I think it's because it dates back when I was in my first grade classroom and I'm like, hear that on the door of like people banging on the door of me rushing. Mm -hmm. And so I would just literally like contract my abdomen is with all my might and push the pee out. The issue with that is, is when your abdominals contract and they shorten, the pelvic floor shortens. So what that does is that it increases resistance of from the bladder to get through the urethra, the tube that urine comes out. It increases the resistance and then it makes it harder actually. And it creates this a habit, a bad habit that affects the, your anatomy and the, the, brain, the nerve muscle connection, the brain body connection. So don't push your pee out. The third hack would be, okay, let's be kind to ourselves and not talk crap on our vulvas and our vaginas. Like it's not a hot mess, regardless if you never had children or you've had 10 children. The reason why I say this is our body is so sensitive to the self-talk. One of the like habits that we should work on mastering as human beings is our communication, not only to other people, but with to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes I would say most women out there and most men are not studying anatomy books, anatomy models and saying, understand the anatomy, what's down there. And they're not taking a mirror down there. Women are not taking mirrors down there to to look and learn and feel and respond. So therefore our brain, which in our brain, we have maps of areas of our body. Our brain is slave to the words that we use about ourselves, particularly the vulva and the vagina. So if we're saying we're a hot mess, well, that brain map is going to be a hot mess. So no talking crap on your vulva and your vagina. 
The fourth out of five hacks is to avoid straining while you poop. I know there's kids banging on the doors. There's a lot going on (laughs) in the lives in a mom's life. And I don't have the solution other than a long-term solution. But if you have to push, there's a way to do it. And I can give you the link of how to do a reverse Kegel. And what's the difference between a Kegel and a reverse Kegel? If you have to push, you got to do it the right way so that you're not trying to push against a closing door. Mm -hmm. When you strain again and like use your abdominals as they get tight, pelvic floor tightens. And so it's like a closing door that you're trying to push through. And that's not going to always work. And it could contribute to other issues like pelvic organ prolapse and just pelvic floor straining or strains. It definitely is not good. So when I tell my patients, hey, this is how you poop, they're like, well, I'm afraid. Isn't that just bad? And I could say, no, not even if you have a diastasis recti or prolapse. My patients have had the worst rectocils and which is a type of prolapse or a, mm-hmm. a rectal prolapse. They actually do way better. They do amazingly with that way of pushing if they need it. And then, of course, the squatty potty or a stool can help as well. But sometimes the stool doesn't help if you have some structural things going on in your vaginal walls. Mm -hmm. The last, and I think this might be my favorite, the last hack is not to expect your partner to just know what to do Mm -hmm. when it comes to intimacy and I joke around with my guy patients. I'm like, I probably know how to use your penis better than you after we go through the exam. (laughs) Because that's how amazing our parts are. It's like there's so much more to them than the actual like genitalia. But really, if you don't know about your body, that doesn't give you the a bypass to make Mm -hmm. your partner know. Mm -hmm. And unless you know that area you don't, it's hard to know what you like and what you don't like, like truly, because there's so many ways that you can have pleasure and have just experienced things like orgasm. And it's not up to your partner to do that legwork. It's your job. And then let's say like when you do, when things do go awry, you have like tangible things to tell your partner, Hey, this is why I'm having pain. It's not you. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it could be. And I'm saying unwanted pain because some people do incorporate those types of practices in their their when they're being intimate. But it really isn't you. It's this is what's going on in my pelvic floor. And I need we need to change some things up or I need to get work. I need to go see a pelvic PT. So learning about your parts so that you can understand what you like, you could destigmatize what it like painful sex or not so pleasurable sex is and communicate that to your partner will literally change your life and change your relationship. Mm -hmm. I've seen it. Those are the five. Yeah, those are all amazing. And I never thought about sort of going back to like pelvic floor health stemming from childhood. And just like you mentioned, like someone like knocking on the door to make you hurry up and go to the bathroom. It just makes me think now, like I have a five-year-old daughter and I know she, she'll like rush in the bathroom and like go real fast. And I'm like, well, now I got to worry about her. Like I have to teach her to slow down now. So it doesn't like get to that point for her in adulthood. Yeah. Where does that come from? Like, why does the rush psychologically, if there is no like people banging on the door, where does that come from? I don't know. But don't a know. tip that yeah. I would I tell all parents this and Mm -hmm. it does make a difference, like teaching your kids how to breathe. And I mean, 
as young as when they start sitting on the toilet to poop, like how mm-hmm. to, to use their belly. But sometimes it does take time because the belly isn't, the abdominals aren't developed yet. But breathing yeah. is a good place to start. Yeah, for sure. And then another thing coming out of your five hack, I do see often uh, women posting, you know, post-pregnancy and a lot of women have pain when they're having sex and a lot of them just don't do anything about it and don't get it checked out. They just kind of live with it. Just tell them to take a step now if they could do to start addressing that and to get to a better place. Cause I know it just, it's hard for a lot of women. It does affect your relationship too. Yes. So where to start if you are having issues? Well, it depends on a lot of factors, Kelly. And mm-hmm. this has been something I've been reflecting on in the past couple of years because I was in a practice basically where people found me, at least at first, their physician. So their physician basically gives them a referral and they're like, go see this person. And they come in and they're like, I'm here. I don't know why I'm here. My doctor said I needed to come. And I would say at least or greater than 50% of those people weren't ready. There was Mm -hmm. so much education that they, I needed to provide up front first before they were willing to open up and lean in and go there. Mm -hmm. So now that I'm in a private practice, a concierge practice where I strictly, I can select who is a fit for me and who is not because my out of network, I don't accept in network insurances Mm -hmm. is, uh, even then, like, okay, so now there's a lot more hurdles for people to come in to see me, which is actually a good thing because they're more likely to educate themselves. So mm-hmm. if you're having issues, the first step is to educate yourself and not from Google. So as I got, I ran into the same problem though, Kelly, is in private practice is people still ready all the time. And I'm like trying to do a deeper dive. And I realized, so the three facets of pelvic health, I mean, mind, body, spirit, Mm -hmm. all impact your pelvic health. And I break this down like body, it's physiological health, physical health, and neuromuscular health, like how much control you have over your body. And then mental health, like what is your self-talk? Where are you in terms of coping with different things that are going on in your day? And then the spiritual health is what happens during, like, do you have a purpose? What's going to keep driving you to work on yourself. And the tricky thing is, is like sometimes people are so focused on their pelvic floor because that's where they're having symptoms. Let's say they have pain, they're leaking urine, but the driver of the pelvic floor dysfunction, which there might be, might be coming from a different facet. Mm -hmm. It might be coming like why they're not progressing with me might because they're held up somewhere else. And so that we're like, they're not getting where they want to be at that point. So First thing is educate yourself. And second thing is do research. Are there any pelvic health therapists in your area? And if so, do you have an opportunity to just talk to someone before you commit to being treated? Mm -hmm. Because often you don't know. And like, I'll tell people, hey, I think this is where you are right now. This is where I would start. And I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I'll be here when you're ready. And unfortunately, some people want answers and results instantly. And I'll just tell you that there are some things that you can do that will instantly help like pretty quickly, but like big picture things like uh, 
being able to jump on the trampoline with your kids, being able to run a certain amount of time without leaking, that takes time. So taking an honest inventory of being patient with yourself is key. So education first. Awesome. And then see if yeah. Yeah, for yes. sure. Yeah, I love that advice. And I, I'm happy to see lately a lot more of and a couple of friends have actually taken a step and have seen a pelvic floor therapist and have been just amazed at the results and and took their time to go through it. And just like you said, took their time and just really let the process work for them. So I, I think definitely everything you just said right there, I think we have the opportunity here to really take care of ourselves as women. And Absolutely. we weren't always taught to do that. So, right. We weren't always taught to do that, unfortunately. No, we're, we're taught how to take care of everyone else. except yeah. ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you, Jocelyn. Is there any other advice you would like to throw out there to moms before we move on to our other section of questions here? Uh, I, I'm going to give advice that one of my clients gave in our last meeting. And she said, as a mom, you are like a, a water pitcher and your family and everything around you are the cups and they're holding their cups up to be filled because really you are most time the center of their world. Mm -hmm. But in order to be, fill that cup, you have to fill your pitcher. And so Oftentimes we as women and people and humans in general, we think self-care is a chore. There's guilt to it. There's like, oh, I don't want to do this for myself. But we need to stop thinking that way. We need to stop thinking that doing something for ourselves is taking away from our family and other people because it's not the case. We're actually giving them more in the big picture by taking care of ourselves first. So that's my advice is really like your self-care there. You can't put and let's be real or let's be reasonable. You can't put a price on your self-care and do a true inventory as where that money is going if you if money is an issue or or where your time's going and really be honest with it and where are your excuses coming from if those come up and then make it work because if you don't, it's not going to go away. It just comes back. And when you're in your 40, late 40s, 50s and 60s and beyond, you don't want to be just stuck in like this cycle of pain or just not yeah. feeling good in your body. Yeah. I love that you said that that comes up again and again on this podcast. And I completely a hundred percent agree. We just have to take care of ourselves first, because if we don't, then who's left to take care of the other people, right? And we're just completely draining ourselves and we're not giving anything good to ourselves or to anybody really. Yeah, it's so true. It, it is one of those things you hear all the time. There's so much truth to it. Yeah. Well, I just have a couple more questions for you to just get to know you a little bit better and find out anything exciting you're working on currently. So what is something you would consider to be your non-negotiable practice that you have to do every day so you can start or end your day on a positive note? My non-negotiable practice is some sort of movement practice or stillness where I have a specific intent, like I'm feeling into my body and being curious of where those feelings are coming in. So currently I'm trying to, regardless if it's in a yoga class or a CrossFit class, I'm letting go of the outcome and I have a specific focus of just mm -hmm. being present, physically present and out of my mind. 
that's a non-negotiable for me. And some that it like branches off with journaling and that, but the very base is I have to have some sort of movement practice could be like literally just laying in certain positions. So it's I, not yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. Some days it's easier just to do a little bit. Right. And it's like, it's not every day we have to try to grind it to the max. <laughs> exactly. I love that. So what is your favorite mom hack to get you through your most hectic or difficult day? Well, I am actually, I hope this isn't like delete me off of your podcast is I'm not a mom, a human mom, but I have juggling a lot of things that it's crazy to think I'm doing with a couple of private practice jobs and then having my own business. Yeah. That, and I think this even though I can't specifically say with the kids, I can be empathetic because I know what that feels like of not feeling like you can do everything and be everyone for everyone. Yeah, for sure. Like my business is it is starting to grow leverage. Like I don't have time to cook. So maybe I need to ask for help or I need to hire the meal delivery services. So asking for help and getting leverage Mm -hmm. for tasks that are low on the priority list. So if I did have a family, my family time would be first. Mm -hmm. And so that might mean I have a cleaning lady or that might mean that I have someone do my laundry or do the meals. It's learning how to ask people for help and invest in help. Just because you're investing doesn't mean you're going to go poor. You'll figure it out, but you got to the leverage and prioritizing. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And no, of course, we're not going to kick you off the podcast. We appreciate all of your assistance and all of the knowledge and education that you're bringing to moms after, you know, during, before, after childbirth, like through all of everything. I think like everything you put out there on Instagram is just amazing. So (laughs) thank you. And Jocelyn, who would be your favorite, like a podcaster blog or like a favorite author or other expert that has really influenced you? Well, share with the listeners pelvic floor specific podcasts to check out. And I would check out the pelvic health podcast and bellies, babies, and birth is another really good, just pelvic health podcast, but just overall life. I think my favorite author is Brene Brown. And then Mm -hmm. my favorite, just quick podcast, just to start the day would be, it is by Justin Sua and it is super short. Gosh, increase your impact podcast. Okay. I'll have to take note of that when I'm always looking for new, good, like business type and motivational type podcast to listen to that. I love listening to those. That one's really great. Cause it's super short and just Packs a powerful punch. Awesome. So what are you currently working on within your business that you're most excited about? So I just recently published, not officially published for purchase, like on major bookstores, but I recently finished the Pelvic Health Planner and I just am so through the moon with it once I receive the shipment of the planners. It'll be in beta with my current patients. So I'm super excited about that. But uh, the other thing that I'm, I'm working on and I'm hoping to get done by the end of March is my book for postpartum healing. And I haven't come up with a title yet, but my framework is just it's the restore framework. And it basically the book is a it's a teach and learn, learn and do kind of book. You learn about 
okay, what goes on during pregnancy and delivery and then how the body is healing in the postpartum period Mm -hmm. and what you could do, what you need to be doing in the early stages to facilitate healing. Mm -hmm. I so wish I had that five years ago. That sounds absolutely amazing. Well, (laughs) I know, I know. Unfortunately, our generations are, we've got to just like accept it and do what we can and teach our daughters a different way. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely on my mind now after this conversation. Just thinking about everything we've talked about and how even I could educate myself even more. I think we could probably stay on this phone call for like three hours and you could teach me a bunch of different things. Obviously, we don't have the time to do that today. So thank you so much for just coming on the show and sharing everything related to pelvic floor health and just everything we've talked about. I think this is just going to help so many moms. And I really love having more of these type of practical topics on here. It was my pleasure. And thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, definitely. And just real quick before you go, where do you hang out the most online? And Instagram is uh, the place that I usually catch your posts, right? I would say Instagram. Well, right now I've been moving like nuts. It's not even funny how much I've moved in the last three months, but I have a Facebook group. It's the Public Health Education for Female Athletes and Active Women. And in March or mid-February, I will be going live again. And when I go live, that's whenever I teach on different topics. So Instagram and Facebook and that group are where I hang out most often. Okay, awesome. And I will include all of those links in the show notes as well. So everybody listening can go directly there and uh, go find you and hang out with you online. Cool. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much, Jocelyn. I really appreciate it taking the time to come on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you again for having me. So great chatting with you, Kelly. Yes, of course. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. I would be so so grateful if you went and left a rating and review of the podcast. So Apple loves it when you rate and review the podcast that you love listening to. And it would just mean the world to me if you went over and left a rating and review for the podcast. So that way our show can be introduced to more working moms that really, really can gain positivity from these episodes that can teach them something. So if you go and leave a rating and review, I would be so grateful and just thank you again for continuing to listen every week. You are the reason why I continue to talk into this microphone for this podcast. Without you, I would have the podcast. So thank you so much.